Hey, this is Lily Barouette, co-pastor of Live Church, and this is our podcast. Our mission is to awaken the drive, compassion, and love in our community. Together, we can live in victory every day. Here's today's message. Luke chapter 15, and we're going to start off from verse 20. Everybody's there? Okay, good. It says, let me just make sure it's the right story. Okay, perfect. Okay. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell, at, fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, Bring out the best robe and put it on him and put on a ring on his hand and a sandal on his feet and bring the fattened calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. Now his older son was in the field And he came and drew near to the house. He heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked, what these things mean? And he said to him, your brother has come. And because he has returned, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has called or killed the fattened calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I've never transgressed your, your commandments at any time. And yet you have never given me a young goat that I might be merry with my friends. Sorry, that was just funny to me. You're just being petty. Okay, calm down. Bring myself back to you. But as soon as the son of yours came, who has devoured your, your livelihood with harlots and killed the fattened calf for, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. It is right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Father God, I just pray right now that it's less of me. And that is more of you. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody says, you guys may be seated. Thank you, Gene. Okay, I hope I don't die on this stage. Stage coming apart. (laughs) I'll survive. So we're talking about fathers today. And I felt like this story really resonated well with what I wanted to talk about. And um, I was doing research on fatherhood. And this is something that the Holy Spirit woke me up literally at 5.20 in the morning so that I could write this down. So after doing research, I found that the National Fatherhood um, Initiative wrote this. There are 2.7 million children with a parent in prison or jail. 95 
of all inmates will eventually be released. 92% of parents in prison are fathers. Most, which is two out of every three inmates, will re-offend and be back in prison. Then they continue to write, the fathers behind bars are not connecting with their families from being behind prison walls or upon release. These dads need help. They need our help and they are likely to be, re they are likely, or they are likely to reoffend. The father's absent crisis in America is real. When we talk about father absent, we mentioned in the U.S., Central Bureau um, statistics say that 24 million children, one out of every three, live without their dad in their home. And I feel like it's something that I need to address because as a spiritual father, one of the very first ways that I found it effective to minister to my sons and my daughters was to fill this fatherless gap that's inside of their heart. I know every single person in my covering, I know their father's situation. It's literally one of the first things that I ask about. We have people whose father is in jail, people whose father is sick, people whose father is absent, people whose father who's died. And, and it's my job to kind of fill in that gap. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm finding myself in a place where, you guys ever seen that video of this man? And it's a parody. It's a video of this man trying to mop the ocean. And like every single time he's mopping the ocean, another wave comes. And it looks like everything that he did was in vain. And I can't find myself to a place where I'm secure or I'm at peace because I know for every person who I father, there are millions without fathers. There are millions without fathers. And we don't even realize it because I didn't even mention that there are fathers of people in this room who are in the army. I didn't mention that there are fathers in this room who are overworked so they can't see their kids. I didn't even mention that the fathers, in, especially in my culture, have other families and don't want anything to do with that child. I didn't even mention the abusive father that we had to try to get away from. I didn't even mention the fathers who were molesting their kids and that you had to get yourself away from. And we're not even realizing that one of the biggest things that the enemy tries to do to our generation is create fatherless children. They want to create fatherless children because fatherless children are more prone to sin. They're more prone to getting themselves in a lot more trouble, not to mention they're more prone of, of doing the exact same thing that their father did. So me, in my situation, if I am not careful, I would end up exactly like my dad, which in my situation, thank God, I had a wonderful dad. My dad was a pastor, and he did the best job that he can raising me. But even me, who had a father, had resentment towards my dad because the devil was trying to cause division between me and my dad. To the point where I couldn't talk, about my, I couldn't talk to my dad about the basic necessities of life. I couldn't go to my dad about things like sex or porn or guess who I was going to? I was going to my homeboys who were struggling with that too. And guess what they were telling me? They were telling me it's all right. Let's do it together. 
So now instead of being saved from sexual immorality, I was partaking in it. Instead of being saved from pornography, I was partaking in it. Instead of somebody coming to me, seeing me a far ways off and coming to me and giving me a hug and putting a ring on me and clothing me and giving me new sandals, instead of that and throwing a merry party, I was out there still living life in the pig pen because I had no way out. You cannot replace the father that's missing in your life with Coping. I had to learn that the hard way. Because as I looked at my dad, who he was awesome, but like I said, the devil was trying to draw, um, draw a line between me and my dad. So as I was there, just trying to look at my dad and really, you know, receive the love, I could not receive anything that my dad was doing for me. Because I had a lot of resentment in my heart towards him. It was until I got myself into a point where I received Christ into my life. And now in receiving Christ into my life, I met the heavenly father. And then the heavenly father started to be the, 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 the void that was missing in my life. Somebody who I can turn to. So now instead of going to my friends about things, I literally just went to God about things. And God was able to pull me out of these dark places and fill these gaps. But God himself realized something, that even him himself, because of our sinful ways, was not able to reach me to the fullness of the way that he wanted to reach me without sending father figures in my life. Because as good of a hugger as God is in my private prayer closet, I understand and God understands he still needs humans to come together and give that same representation of a hug. He still needs pastors to come and give that same representation of a hug, that reaffirm. It's like God reaffirmed me on a lot of things, but guess what? If I didn't get that reaff uh, the affirmation from a man, it wouldn't have drawn me closer to God. In fact, it would have probably made me resent God even more. So guess what the devil did in his deceitful, crazy way? He started to, God started to put great men in my life who I felt like I can talk to. And every single one of those men started to just completely turn on me. People who would come to me and they would say, hey, I'm your father. I'll be your spiritual father. I'll fill that gap. You look like you need a spiritual father. And then I, I, would, I would have this hope. And my eyes would start to glisten. And I'm like... And I would cry. I'm like, yes, I finally have someone who I can call father. And within moments, within weeks, it wasn't even a year that passed by, they'll turn their back on me. Why? Because I realized something. The true essence, thank you, love. The true essence of a father comes in your weakest moments. The true essence of a father comes in your weakest moments. And I realized that there were not men strong enough to deal with the issues that I was dealing with. First of all, I was already stubborn. But you know who can break you out of your stubbornness? A real father. I was sinful. I had a lot of pride issues. You know who can break you out of all of that stuff? Your father. But the moment that I would reveal something in me that I'm dealing with, those fathers would turn their back on me within moments. 
And I will be a fool to not recognize the same eyes in this room of fatherless children who just want somebody to hug them even though they're in their mess. The father who, 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 who in the midst of their sin, I love what the story says. The story says the father saw him a ways off and ran to him. While he was still in his sinful nature, the father was already planning a party. The father already had things prepared for his return. But it took me, it, it took me a, a long time of resentment and anger and all of these issues to realize that I was trying to be fathered by people who weren't fathered themselves. I was expecting something from somebody who wasn't fathered themselves. So now their representation of a father is whenever something goes wrong, leave. Whenever your child is not the way that it needs to be, leave. They still have this resentment in their heart where their father left them because of some situation and they blame themselves and they felt like, it's my fault. It's my fault my parents got a divorce. It's my fault my parents died. What could I have done to be a better son and maybe my father would have still been around, not even realizing that it had nothing to do with them, but everything to do with the cycle of fatherlessness. That's continuing in this generation. But I'm here to tell you that you have a heavenly father. Before I was your father, you had a heavenly father who was coming to hug you and who was coming to give you identity. And he was coming to draw himself closer to you and throw you a party. The father says, when one person comes back to the kingdom, heaven is throwing a party for them like no other. When one lost sheep returns, the father up in heaven is throwing a party. I want you to understand something, that God is throwing parties for you. God is throwing parties for you. God wants to be the missing pieces in your life to fill in that void. But it takes you positioning yourself in a position to receive his love once again. You got to receive that love once again. I was reading the story this morning and I recognized something I recognize that this father had it hard. He had it hard because he just couldn't get the peace that he was looking for. I mean, you have one son who comes, takes your inheritance, and just leaves. Just, he's so desperate to get away from his dad. He just grabs all his stuff, grabs his inheritance, goes, squanders it off, doesn't call, no call, no show, no nothing. For years, and this father is probably at home praying that his son is safe, praying that his son is alive, praying that his son will make it out of that situation and return home. And then finally, when he gets this son to return home, the other son starts acting crazy. And I could just see him looking at God like, can I just have peace? Please. Like the moment that I get one son back, I'm not even doing anything wrong. I'm just celebrating the fact that one son is here and the other son. That looks like the church. 
we have a heavenly father who's willing to receive anybody at whatever level that they're at, at whatever stage that they're at. And I see a generation, or I see a world of divided Christians who are trying to decide who's the better son or daughter. Oh, my church is better. My pastor is better. Oh, my doctrine is better. And it took me a while before I realized that it has nothing to do with my church or my pastor or my doctrine, but it has to do with my relationship with God. That my relationship with my father, you see, they didn't even realize it. The other son didn't even realize it, that he's standing there thinking, you know what? I'm going to do everything I got to do. I'm going to be the best person that I got to be. And not even realizing that he could have had a party whatever he wanted. But he never asked for it. So you have people who are living their life and they can get whatever they want from God, but they're not praying for it because they're saying, if I just serve hard enough, God's going to bless me. If I just do this hard enough, God's going to recognize me. And he's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. God's like, I don't need you working from, I don't need you working for approval. You don't have to work for my approval. You work from my approval. I've already approved you. I've already qualified you. I've already called you my son. There was nothing that you did that made you become my son. It was nothing that you had to do. There's nothing that you have to do that's going to make you merit the stuff that I'm about to give you. The question is, do you have enough faith to ask for it? Or are you going to hang on to this resentment? And fall into this religious aspect of thinking that you have to work for the Father's love. When we know his love never runs dry. Regardless of where you are, regardless of what state you are, you're thinking, oh, Pat, Pat, God must love Patrick more because he's up there preaching the word of God. No, I'm not working from a place. I'm not working for a place of approval with God. It's not I got to preach a hundred messages before God hugs me. I got to preach a thousand messages. I got to save a hundred souls. I got to do all these things. I'm doing it from a place. It was years ago in my own private prayer closet that the father already affirmed me and he already told me who I was. And he got me out of my sin and he got me out of my darkness and he told me no weapon form against me shall prosper. It was before I even lifted a single finger or I lifted a single microphone that God already gave me the identity that I needed. Are you trying to work for the Father's love? Or are you working from his love? This that you see up here is only the radiation of something that God did for me years ago. Something that's never going to run dry. Years and years and years are going to pass by. I'm still going to be preaching about his love. I'm still going to be preaching about his gospel. Why? Because he, what he did for me was that much of an effect in my life that regardless of how many people stab me in the back in church, I'm still in church. Why? Because I never came to church for people. I came to church from God. I already came here with everything that I need. And you guys are coming to church looking for the, a, a, a God-shaped hole. And you're relying on the church to provide that. But the church was not designed to be God. The church was not designed to be your father. 
The church was designed to point you to God so that you can go to God, so that you can get affirmed, and then come back to church and help us point some more people to the Father. But we fall so much in love with the, 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 the limited love that we find in church. I spoke about this weeks ago. We come here, there's food out in the lobby. You ain't eat for days. It's like, oh, I love church. You come in here, we have fellowship. You got all, everybody hugging you. You're like, I ain't, ain't get hugged in years. Oh, Lord, this is great. But you're tapping into a well that's eventually going to run dry. Because you're going to come back here after six months, you're going to get a hug. You'll be like, oh, this is just a regular hug. All right. Oh, here, food again. Biscuits. Oh, they always do biscuits. Y'all need, y'all need something else in the back. You, because it's limited, you're going to find yourself operating from the limited standpoint, which is your carnal self. Your carnal self never agrees with what God is trying to do. So because of that, you're going to find reasons to hate the church. But you never came to church for people. You came from God. It was God who drew you in here. You say, I I can ask any person, why did you come to church today? I want to get closer to God. People hurt you? I don't want to come to church no more. It doesn't make any sense. You didn't come to church for people in the first place. Because you're just falling victim to the same thing that I fell victim to, understanding that we live in a culture of fatherlessness and that hurt people hurt people. So you come to a room full of hurt people expecting not to get hurt. And you came for the wrong reasons. Then you go back home searching for this and coping with it in whatever way that you could possibly cope in. Now you fall into sexual immorality. Now you fall into pornography. Now you fall into drinking. Now you fall into smoking. Now you fall into all of these different things, not realizing that these things are only blocking out something that's still there when you wake up. I need a father. I need a father. I need somebody who's going to genuinely love me through my mess. Because if I'm not fathered properly, then I won't be able to father properly. How do we get there? Because it's a long ways. But the biggest thing and the hardest thing, and I'm going to lose half the crowd in this, but it's okay because it's the word of the, God, it's the, word of the Holy Spirit. So you got to start by forgiving your father. You got to start by forgiving your father. He probably wasn't the best father. He probably was there, but he yelled at you for everything. He probably was there, but he was absent because he's at work. Did the best that he could do. Just talking about my life. 
but I'm not blinded to the fact that there are some fathers who were just absent, pure absent. There were some fathers who ended up in jail. There are some fathers who died. There are some fathers who made you feel like you were less than. And you're trying to figure out how can a father look at a child and look at them as less than. You got to forgive them. You got to get yourself to a point of realizing that hurt people hurt people and that they're just another victim of fatherlessness. I was praying one day and I had a vision. I had a vision that my dad died. And this was years ago. And this was at a point where every day I would be arguing with my dad. Every day I would be literally just resent. Like, I didn't want my dad to know part of nothing that I was doing. My dad didn't know anything about my life. I got myself to a point where I didn't want anything to do with this man. Like, I wouldn't even talk to him. Like, I wanted, like, if, if I was, if I was going to ask a question to my parents, it would be my mom only. My dad just stay over there or whatever. My dad would be like, why didn't you ask me? Leave me alone! And it was, everybody's like, why are you acting like that? You don't know. <laughs> it got so bad. And then I had a vision. I had a vision that my dad died. And my dad died before he was able to tell me his story. Because I never bothered to ask him his story. Ever. I didn't care about his story. The most I knew was um, that, you know, he didn't have a father, but who cares? You're here. I'm here. You know, treat me like a son. That's all I cared about. Then he died. And then from that vision, I went to my dad and I just started asking about my dad. I didn't go to my dad first, of course. I ain't that, I wasn't that sanctified yet. I went to my mom. So I went to my mom and I started asking about my dad. And she's like wondering, why am I asking all these questions about my dad? And in that moment, I found out that while my dad's mom was pregnant with him, his dad died. And that his only representation of a father was his older brother. Not to mention that he had to come from Haiti, figure out a whole new language. He moved to New York. I don't know how he got there. I still don't know how people get there from Haiti. Figure out a whole new language, a whole new systems. He had nine brothers and sisters. No father. Every, just mom just trying to work. Mom ended up catching diabetes, leg amputated. Now, just everything just crazy in his life. Came to America just trying to figure out life. And I'm looking at him. And God spoke something to me so deep. He said, why are you judging somebody based upon something that you can't relate to? 
I don't know what it was like to come from Haiti. I was born in America. I don't know what it's like to have no food at the table. As far as I'm concerned, my parents lived in the same house my whole entire life. I don't know what it's like to not have food, except for when I ran from my father and I ran to college up in Tampa, and, you know, I just had six months of no food. Then my father came and got me and brought me back to Miami. Like, I don't know what these moments are like to not have. And it's only because of a man who knew what it was like to not have. A man who, you see, I kind of know what it's like now because I have sons and daughters now. So I, I just picture him in Haiti with no food. And then finally, he finally gets a bowl of rice, which in America to me is equivalent to a bag of French fries. And he has this bowl of rice, and then immediately he looks up at his siblings in the equivalent of me looking up and seeing hungry sons and daughters. And in that moment, he starts to share his bowl of rice with eight brothers and sisters. The same way, it's just one bag of fries, one hungry Evanel. One hungry gene. And we all just sharing one bag, one small fry together, bro. You get two, you get two, I get two. We all hungry. That's the only way that I can relate to what that looked like, you see? Because the difference is that was just one moment. Later on that day, I'll just go buy me a plate of food. But this was his only meal for a day or two. And yet I'm sitting here in my privileged state looking at this father who's doing nothing but trying his best to be something he's never seen before. How can I judge somebody who didn't even get a chance to see what? The only reason why I'm a good father to my sons and daughters is because I was able to see all the mistakes of a father who did not know what fathering was like. God brought me to that revelation real quick because if I didn't get myself to that revelation, I would end up exactly like that. The pride would have drawn me so far away from this guy that regardless of everything that was going on in my life, I would not have turned to him. I would not have forgiven him for all of the things that he's done. While he was trying to do something he never saw before. And in that moment, God gave me a revelation. Number one, he told me that I need to have faith in my dad. Which bothers a lot of you guys. Number one, because you don't understand what faith is. But even more so, because to look at your father as anything else other than somebody who failed me in life is going to actually require you to look at yourself. To look at the areas in your life that you refuse to deal with. To actually look at your dad. At Life Church, we do these things, we call them forgiveness exercises. I'm very involved 
in, in my church lives. So I sit there and I watch them forgive. And I check every point. And one of the things that I realize, I realize that I never forgave my dad until I wanted to be like him. I know y'all not going to like this message. Until you want to be like your dad, to the ladies, until you want to marry your father, you have not forgiven him. But you're like, Pat, you don't understand my dad was abusive. No, you're just thinking about the way that the world sees him. Faith is looking at something the way that God sees it. Even in his mess, even in his turmoil, I had to find it in my belly to look at the best version of my dad that he could have been had everything in his life goes the way that he needed to go. Who would my dad have been if my dad had a father and he grew up in a, in, in a pretty good home, a stable home, and he got the attention that he needed, he got the education that he needed, didn't have to fight for everything that he had to do? Who would my dad have been? My dad probably would have been president, honestly, or at least mayor of North Miami. At least. Dad was super intelligent. Fought his way through a lot of stuff. Joined the army. Decided the best way that he can serve his community is just to be an elementary school teacher. Even though he could have been anything in this world. Greatest, y'all think I have a business mind? Greatest business mind that you ever will find. But he just didn't have the life I had. My dad didn't have the choice to not do those things. I did. You guys are just looking at the church and you're just like, man, this guy, this guy really work hard. Honestly, I don't. I'm honestly riding on the back of my father. My father is the one who I'm on his shoulders and I'm continuing his legacy. <clears throat> I am who my father would have been if he had a father. He could have only did the best that he could do, but at some point he had to pass the baton. If it was up to me, at 30 years old, I would have started a church, Patrick. All right. At 30 years old, I'm going to start a church. If it was up to me, I would spend all my time just preaching the word of God. I don't have to work. I don't have to worry about bills. I don't have to. All right. I spend all my time preaching the word of God. I spend all my time doing what my father couldn't do because he had to sacrifice for me. I don't, I'm not forgiving my father until I realize that I'm only an extension of who he is. The thing that you want to live a prosperous life, you want to get yourself from a point of, of, of making the same mistakes that your father would have made, you got to get yourself to a point of continuing where he left off. Some of you guys in here are trying to start from scratch, not realizing that a father is supposed to help you continue a legacy, not start a new one. It was my dad who ended up marrying me and my wife. 
Although we, I could have had anybody. I could have had anybody. I came from a very profound school, very profound church, high-level leadership. I could have asked anybody. But why would I ask anybody else except for my father? To the point where if somebody comes to me and they say, hey, Pat, I want to get married. My first instinct is not to point to myself, it's to point to my dad. A little bit weird, though. I'm going to just be honest. I'm going to just be honest with y'all. I'm going to warn you guys early. But there ain't no shame in my game anymore. I'm not ashamed of my father because I realize that I'm only an extension of him. That the only reason why I can be up on the stage preaching, not having to worry about anything, is because of my dad. If I hadn't forgiven my dad, we would not even be in this building right now. The rent for this building is $8,000 a month. My dad pays half of it every month. How is that possible? Because I realized something about me being an extension of my father. The question is, are you going to forgive your dad? Who would, you, who would your dad have been had he was, was able to find Christ at an early age like you are? Who would your dad been had he been able to have the, some of the, the, the luxuries that you have? Who would your dad have been, for some of you guys who's been with me for years, who would your dad have been if he had me? Guiding him the way that I guide you. Involved in his life. Involved in, I'm extremely involved in my people's lives. I'm extremely involved. They'll tell you. I check bank accounts. Yo, you, I told you save. What's going on? Why you still got less than? They'll tell you. Why? I'm like a father. Council relationships? No. Yeah, that's good. No, that's bad. Watch out for this. Watch out for that. And whether they listen to me or not, most importantly, I'm still there. What if your dad had me? Because Evanel was just going to reflect who his dad was. Gene was only going to reflect who his dad was. Until they were introduced to me. But it's us in our pride. We forget that our first father, our heavenly father, he'll never leave us and never forsake us. And he'll give us everything that we need when we need it. When we need it. Are you willing to forgive your dad? Are you willing to look at your dad as something other? Testimonies after testimonies came from this place of fathers who I've impacted without even speaking to them. All by changing their child's perspective of them 
And I realized if I can get that child to believe something about their father that may not have been manifesting at the time, then the father can actually walk into that what he don't even believe in himself about. I need you guys to understand that whatever place your father is in, there's still hope. There's still hope for you, and it starts with you forgiving your father. I told you you're not going to like that part. It's the most unattractive part, but I love preaching on Sundays because I like to preach the unattractive things. Nobody can tell me that I'm watering down the gospel. Are you willing to forgive your father? Darius Daniel said, are you willing to accept Jesus' payment on the cross as payment for what your father didn't do? That completely wrecked my mind. Fatherlessness should only be a concern for people outside of the church. For people who don't know Christ. How can you tell me that you know Christ and you're still hanging on to certain resentments, understanding that Christ, number one, paid that same price for you, but he paid it for your dad also? How? The same blood that saved you is the same. It's not a different blood. He's not O negative for you and then A, B positive for somebody else. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore. It's the same blood. Matter of fact, I'll go a little further as to say that probably the reason why you don't believe in Jesus to the magnitude that you need to believe in Jesus is because you don't believe that he can save other people also. So now in the moment where it has to reflect yourself, now in the moment where it has to reflect your marriage, now in the moment where it has to reflect your relationships, you're, you're doubting Jesus because you're looking at your father and saying, wow, I am not going to be like that. Jesus can't save this guy. His blood wasn't sufficient for him, so it must not be sufficient for me. You forgive others so that you can get forgiveness. But even furthermore, you forgive others because at a moment that you refuse to forgive others, you start to question how much you're forgiven. Because if I can forgive somebody of their trespasses that they've been doing to me for years, I can finally understand a God that forgives trespasses. You're still trying to figure out why you're dealing with the sins and the stuff of your past. You're like, Pat, I don't know why I can't get over this. I don't know why I can't overcome this. I don't, can I tell you a little bit, a little secret? Maybe it's because you don't trust in the power of God enough to do it for your own life. But it shows not in yourself because I, if I ask you, you're going to give me the religious answer. My God can do it all. If I ask you, you're going to give me that religious answer, that, that, that steadfast, prideful answer of something that's just hiding what's really going on on the inside. That you're not convinced of the love of Father that's in your own life. God is saying, 
I need you to forgive him so that you can understand my forgiveness towards you. I don't care who hurt you. I need you to forgive them so that you can understand. Because if you are capable of forgiving somebody of something so terrible, don't you think God, who is not a man, but who's better than man, who's supernatural, who's all-powerful, and nothing but good can come from him, don't you think he can forgive you of whatever you've done? Whatever pit you're in? We find the story in the Bible where he says, uh, uh, he says, if you who are sinful can give good gifts, what makes you think your father up in heaven is not able to give good gifts? It's the same thing for forgiveness. If you on earth are able to forgive, what makes you think your father up in heaven is not able to forgive you? If you're not careful, your unforgiveness towards your father the image that you have toward your father will somehow find its way to reflect on your image of what you look at with God. If you're not careful, you got to get yourself to that place because this is what Jesus died for. Because fatherlessness is not new. Fatherlessness is not new. The biggest example of fatherlessness issues is actually everything that happened before Christ. At the moment where Adam and Eve fell, the Bible says the communication and the ability to align themselves with their father was gone. And the whole entire Old Testament is a group of people trying to get back to their father. To the point you have Abraham who fell short, Isaac who fell short, Jacob who fell short, and you find people after Moses who fell short, and David fell short, and you have people after people who are literally just a product of fatherlessness because they cannot get to the father. To the point where you needed Jesus Christ. You needed Jesus Christ. Because in the Old Testament, I wrote it like this. We could only talk to our father from behind the prison walls of our own sin. Behind collect calls called prophets. Other dads called idols. And most importantly, nobody respects the rules of an absent father. This is what we find in the Old Testament. I was to title this message I would title it free my father free my father we have too many fathers behind prison walls of this world's judicial system 
But how many more fathers are behind prison walls of your unforgiveness? And all they're doing is looking for one person who can see them past their flaws. Who can love them past their mistakes. You're looking at your own life and you're saying, Patrick, the only reason why I'm stuck in this mess is because my dad was not here for me. And God is saying, whatever pit that you're in right now, my blood is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. You just turn to me and I will fill in that gap. But I need you to understand that you must untether yourself from your father's sins and your father's mistakes and start to attach it to me. Get your father from behind that prison wall. Free him. I wish I just had a couple of people who were willing, willing to free their fathers. Pat, you don't know what my dad did to me, but I know what the Heavenly Father did for you. Detach. The reason why you're going deeper and deeper and deeper into that hole is because you're still attaching yourself to his sins. And the deeper your father goes, the deeper you go. The worse your father gets, the worse you get. And God is saying, untether yourself to your father's mistakes and tether yourself to me. And if you could get yourself to a point where you can free your father for his past mistakes. Because one thing every father won't tell you, regardless of how prideful that they are, every night they know where they went wrong. Every night they ask themselves, if they can be forgiven, they will wake up in the morning and try things differently and be a better person. But every morning that they wake up, they're reminded of their mistakes. They're reminded of their flaws. Free your father. It is only then that you can free the heavenly father to do what he wants to do in your life. To break down the walls of Jericho's that's taking away your ability to take over the territories that you're supposed to bend take over. To continue the legacy of being a great father in the place of the mistakes where your father was. Because it doesn't matter how bad your father is. Our heavenly father is good. Thanks for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who generously support this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. Join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give by visiting us at livechurch.miami. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this one.